If you'd go, go to your Bibles this morning, in the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, I'm going to have you go a couple places, Ephesians chapter 1. You know, you think about this time of the year, and you think about what was done and what's happened, and, 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 and as Richard said, we cannot lose track, Brian said it at prayer, uh, realizing what we're, what we're doing, amen, do not get caught up so much in, in Christmas that you forget what Christmas is, amen, do not allow that to happen, reflect this week more than ever, how many know that from Wednesday night, Mary and Joseph are still traveling, they're only halfway there, we talked about that long journey, and so here we are, we've done a whole lot of stuff since Wednesday night, we've gone to work, we've, we've gone to different events, we've hung out, we've, we've had family gatherings, uh, or whatever, people have been in the hospital, whatever's been going on, and all those days that have gone on, Mary and Joseph are still walking on that donkey trying to get to Bethlehem to have that baby, amen, time is going on and they're still traveling, it's a long journey to, to bring, bring us what I want to show you in Ephesians chapter 1, amen, which is such a miracle, I want to give a, a good report this morning and thank everybody for praying for Isaiah, uh, Christina, his son, he's doing so good this morning, and especially yesterday. I haven't got actually a new report this morning, but if you didn't know, when they went in, originally just thought it was a stomach virus. Then they uh, were sent to Cook's, which is an amazing hospital, and uh, they, were, they found out that he was having actual kidney failure, and that it was down to about 16%, correct? Down to about 16% functioning in his kidneys. So that's a scary thing to hear. And um, they said they needed to do a biopsy. So our intercessors were praying, and and people were praying from, from all over. And, I mean, just quickly it went from, they did the biopsy, but from quickly it went from that to uh, he was all of a sudden feeling better and having hunger. And he was playing. And so he's, uh, they came back with the, with the test that is, is not um, as bad as they thought. And as a matter of fact, I don't remember the words. It's, it's not chronic. Um, but the, the good news is it's the, we got a good report. Amen. And so it's not what we thought it was in the beginning. So that's God. That's nothing but God. Amen. That's nothing but a God report. So we thank God for his healing this morning and for your prayers. Amen. So keep that, keep that in prayer this morning. Um, you know, when, when, when we're in Christmas, sometimes I mentioned this Wednesday night about a birthday party and I asked how many have ever been to a birthday party and it was your birthday party and you felt like, uh, you weren't being celebrated. And everything else was going on, and they're eating your cake, and they're opening your gifts, and everything's going on, and you feel like, hey, uh, it's my birthday. It's, hey, I'm over here, you know. And uh, I, I, think, I thought about something this week. You know, when, when uh, the Wright brothers um, learned, or fi- finally flew in December of 1903, after many attempts, I mean, you know, it took a lot of attempts to get up in the air, uh, Orville and Wilbur finally got that machine off the ground. And so they were thrilled over the accomplishment, and they telegraphed home. Of course, they didn't get on their phone. They telegraphed to their sister, Catherine, and said, We have actually flown 120 feet. We will be home for Christmas. Amen? So Catherine runs from the editor of the newspaper, shows the message to all of her family. says, Oh, how nice. The boys will be home for Christmas. Did y'all catch that? The boys will be home for Christmas. She totally missed that they flew 120 feet. How many know a lot of times we, we catch what we catch, amen? And we could go through this Christmas time and, and, and Christmas could pass us by and we forget why we were celebrating Christmas in the first place. 
We might, we might get gifts, we might eat, we might gather together, and then at January we might realize, man, I didn't even say happy birthday to Jesus. Man, I didn't even think about Jesus. I didn't even thank him for coming to this earth to save me. So don't let the big news pass you by. Amen? I was thinking this morning that, you know, our church has really got it together. I mean really got it together. I'm serious. You ever heard the saying, everything but the kitchen sink? We've even got the kitchen sink this morning. <laughs> and we have got it together in this place, man. I think we're just going to leave it here so we always have everything, even the kitchen sink. Amen? A 10-year-old virgin was becoming quite, sorry, not a 10-year-old virgin. A 10-year-old, hopefully he was a virgin, was becoming quite knowledgeable about the Bible because of her grandmother's teaching. You know, words can jump in front of other words sometimes. A 10-year-old was becoming quite knowledgeable about the Bible because of his grandmother's teachings. And so he asked, which virgin was the mother of Jesus, the Virgin Mary or the King James Virgin? <laughs> Amen. Ephesians chapter 1. When we think about the, the end result of what happened over 2,000 years ago, and the amazing story of Jesus coming to this earth and being born into a human body. I said this Wednesday night just in case somebody wasn't here or missed it. It, it amazed me to think that God, even in his infinite wisdom and in his infinite power, when he had the thought and the plan to come down to earth and be born in a human body, born of a virgin, he had never been human before. Think about that. It, 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 because we can't, just like we can't re relate to what it would be like to be God, we have certain ideologies and we have certain things that we think of, we can never, no matter how hard we try, ever realize what it would be like to be God, ever. And I think at the same time, I don't, even though God's God, because he's God, I don't think he really knew, he could really know what it was going to be like to be in a human body. And, and you know why I believe that? Because of the words we heard Jesus say. And I remember when he, when he got older, pushing the for, story forward, and when we know that he was going to the very end of what he came to do. And he's in that garden, and he's praying, and he says, Father, if we can do this a different way, let's do this different I mean, what a humanity, what a human thing. He's in that physical body, and, 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 and for his entire life up to that moment, you've got to realize, he had lived a lot of things that we live. He had lived, the Bible says, every temptation. He had gone through everything somebody could go through. We don't know for 30 years of his life really too much details other than one story when he goes to the temple at 12 years old and he's doing his father's business and gets rebuked by his parents and uh, which is interesting that God would be rebuked by his parents. Amen. And they say, what are you doing here? He says, I'm about my father's business preaching in the temple. We don't know much about those 30 years other than the fact that he was a carpenter's son and that he probably uh, did some kind of work with his hands and that he obviously went to school and he did all the things a kid does. And so he went through all the things we go through, but then it came to that time and point that he had to do what he came to do because he was born to die. He came down to the earth 
to die. And so we, we, we fast forward the story for a minute to realize that when he came to the earth to, to be born, he was born so he could die. And we realize that at that moment in the, in the garden as he's praying, he for the first time in his life as a human being, God in a human body, he thought, man, now this is getting serious. Now I'm not just out teaching and I'm not just escaping the throwing of the rocks and I'm not just pushing through crowds. I'm not doing the miracles anymore. I'm sure that was a lot of fun to be God and do miracles. But now he realizes this physical body that I'm in is going to have some serious pain. And I'm going to have to be crushed and I'm going to have to be bruised and I'm going to have to die. And, and the thing that I always try to remember myself, and this goes for any time of the year, is to put my, try to put myself in God's shoes when we've realized that it was not even just the physical pain that Jesus went through. It was the sin that he had to endure. We, we can't grasp that, and I want to just for a moment just get you to think about that, to try to grasp how important that is that him being God in a human body now has to take on not only physical pain, and we know the whole story, that, that part's better for Easter, amen, of all the stuff he goes through, but the spiritual part is I've been living in this body for 33 years now, and now I have to take the weight of every person's sin who's ever lived on my shoulders. And what you can do personally is just bring yours there. Think, take your guilt and your shame and the things that you've done bad and the mistakes you've made, and you're just one person, and think of how the worst thing you've ever done, the thing you've ever felt the worst for, what that felt like, the guilt and the shame, and all that multiplied, really our minds can't even go there, is weighed on Jesus at that cross as he becomes this for us, redemption. Because really the story of Christmas is a story of redemption. And really the story is, and what a great lead in by Richard as he mentioned that, really the story is God coming down to that manger of our heart, that stinky, dirty, sinful place, and becoming a redeemer of a crooked and wicked and lost sinful heart and sinful person. Amen? That's really what he came down to do. But a lot of times in our lives, we don't recognize Jesus. And I want you to read with me in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Now I remind you, we're going to read on a little bit more in a second. I remind you as I did the other night, as we saw the video, and I actually was going to play that video again this morning, but obviously we've got some, some obstructions. It's such a powerful. How many were blessed by that video? Way in the manger. Just talking about Simeon and, and the shepherds. And if you haven't seen it, go YouTube it. It's called A Way in the Manger by the Skit Guys. It's a powerful video. And it just talks about the narrative of all the different people who took place in Jesus' life. And I remind you again this morning today that we're that people too. We have a play we have a part in the play. You know, they're going to have a production tonight. They're going to have a play tonight. Everybody has a part. Everybody has a role. We have a role in this play of Jesus Christ, which is the redemption of man. We all have a part to play, and we have to do our part so that the redemption story comes forth. And then you, then you realize, as that guy said 
uh, in one of the videos that I showed at the end where he was talking about, I don't know if I could give my son. Now, if you're not a parent, it's a little harder for you to understand that. If you're a parent, it makes it very easy to understand how hard this whole Christmas message and Christmas plan was. That he would, he would leave heaven and, and send down his, his son to heaven. And, and we've got to realize, in our, in our understanding, the Trinity, of course, that yes, they're one, but they're three. And so God the Father was still in heaven while God the Son was on this earth living in a human body and dying for us. How hard it was, as it says there, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that how hard it must have been for God to send down Jesus, just as hard as it was for Jesus to come down, it was hard for God to see his son go through what he went through. And, and again, this goes back to the parents thing, where we jokingly but, but very seriously say, this spanking's going to hurt you worse than it's going to hurt me. It was harder for God to send him how many have ever been in a place where you thought, I'll just do this myself. I don't, want, I don't want somebody else to have to go through this. It was probably hard for God to let Jesus go. They probably were having arguments there and saying, no, I'll go. No, you go. No, I'll go. And, and, and God finally had to say, I'm going to let you go. I'd like to go for you, but I'm going to let you go. Because we've got we've to work this plan of salvation out. Amen. I like to put perspective on the different parts. So read on with me. Verse 4. Just as he chose... Us in him, this is amazing. If you haven't been excited this morning yet, this ought to get you excited. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Wow. That we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself According to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Now, I, I, what I want you to get out of this part right here is that we are, we are chosen and part of the play. And how many know that when you're chosen to be part of something, that's a cool thing, right? It's not, it's not fun to be left out. If you've ever played any kind of games on the, on the playground or recess or whatever, and they're picking teams, it's not fun to be the last one. Amen? It's not fun to be like standing there, and, and, and they've picked everybody else, and there's two, there's two people left, and both teams have all their teams, and the two captains are staring at you and somebody else, and they're trying to decide which one's worse. Right? That's like the worst thing in the world. And you're like, I wish I wasn't standing here by myself and everybody else is over there. And I'm thinking, can, how do I look, how do I not look worse than this person over here, right? But we're not that this morning. We have been chosen. That should really just give us some serious Christmas joy to realize we've been chosen to be part of God's play. Amen. We've been chosen to be part of God's team since the foundation of the world. I know it's hard for our minds to really wrap, our, 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 wrap around that. It, it really is difficult to think about that, that we as sinners, that as we as people who fail and make mistakes, are God's choice. But that's the kind of stuff that you need to think about this year and this time and this week is when the devil begins to tell you what, what you're not, you begin to remind the devil what you are 
because God chose you, amen? And he said, I want him, I want her on my team, and it's the best team in the world. It's the greatest enterprise in the world. It's a soul-winning agency that is forever and ever and ever and ever, amen? And we are on a team this morning that cannot lose. Can you say amen? How many of believe you're on a team that cannot lose? Undefeated. So the verse I want you to see is verse 7. What did, this, what did the manger bring us truly? In him, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. The forgiveness of sins according to the richness of grace. So the ultimate goal, as we go with, if you would, with me, Back to the book of Micah, I want to read again the prophecy that is so powerful. Again, I said it's 1209 in my Bible. Amen? You can get there somewhere close. The book of Micah. There's a powerful, it's almost getting to the end of the Bible. Near Nahum and Habakkuk and after Joel and Jonah is the book of Micah, chapter 5. Give me an amen when you get there. You know, Richard mentioned that she had to believe in herself but we also know that they were fulfilling prophecy. And God's word over your life this morning is going to be done. Amen? God is going to do in you what he has established to do in you if you'll be willing. If you'll say, God, if you can use anything, you can use me this morning. God, use my life to make a difference. And I'm going to read this. I read it Wednesday night. But it's such a powerful prophecy because we see that there's no mistakes God's got it all worked out. He says, verse 2, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, you, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one. Amen? The one. To be the ruler in Israel. Whose going forth are from old, from everlasting. And therefore he shall give them up until the time that she who is in labor, that's Mary, has given birth. Then the remnant of... Of his brethren shall return to the children of Israel. He shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And watch this. They shall abide, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and this one shall be peace. Amen. And now we fast forward to the book of Matthew, if you'd go there. Just a few chapters over to the left. If you'll just turn your Bible to the left, you'll get over to the book of Matthew. And we see this plan of redemption. That all this was planned. How many know sometimes we can look at our lives at a moment where it doesn't seem like anything's happening. We go, man, what's going on here? Is God really doing something in me? Well, when Jesus was being born in a manger, it didn't look like much. Amen? We have the Bible today, which is such a blessing. Because it's written and it's done and the story's over and we can read the book. But if you go to the story of the manger, you're thinking, man, this is, God failed. And we know that's why they crucified Jesus outside of the prophecy is because they thought this can't be Jesus, the king of the Jews. The king of the Jews would have been born in the Ritz-Carlton. Amen? Or some five-star hotel, not in some manger. This cannot be him. And so the, the thinking gets all messed up. And sometimes you might be looking at your life right now, 2015, right now at your life and thinking, man, this cannot be God's plan. God cannot be in this. I, this is way too messed up. But relate to the manger. 
Remember that the manger is that place where God is beginning something powerful in you. And, and then you can realize, okay, I'm going to stop for a second and I'm going to fast forward spiritually to the end. And I'm going to see what God's going to do. Amen. And so we see these prophecies and we see now that Jesus is coming on the scene in chapter one. And it says, and, and I want to read this because I, I don't think I read this the other day. Verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, that's very key, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Now, I, I love that, again, the Holy Spirit led Richard to mention that, and we talked about that. Have you thought about that this time of the year? Have you thought about the story? Have you thought about both sides? If you're a man, you think of what, happened, what that would be. If you're a woman, you think what that would be. And, and every angle of every story has a truth of how you would look at it and how you would think about it. I mean, like you said, it would be crazy to be a woman and all of a sudden just realize my body's not right. This is not normal. I'm not going through my normal cycle. Something's going on here. I'm a teenager and I've never felt like this before. And then all of a sudden an angel appears and says, you're pregnant. And you're going, what I miss? I've been waiting for that day for a long time. It happened and I missed it. Right? When you're young, you, you know, it's something you look forward to. You hear about it a lot. She's thinking, what, did I get, you know, knocked? You heard about knocked up. She probably thought she got knocked out because she was not present when it all took place. All of a sudden, she says, you're pregnant. Well, what I miss? So that's a crazy thing. And I, that's the best theory I can do from a woman's side. Okay? <laughs> from the man's side, since I'm a man, I think to myself, that part was hard, but to believe obviously had to be a little easier because she felt, she felt the baby. She knew what was going on in her body. Joseph had to have a lot of faith. I mean, that's only happened once in the history of the world. Honey, I'm pregnant, and I haven't been with anybody. Just think, just think about that for a minute. I am pregnant, but I promise, I promise I have not been with anybody else. This is God. Crazy, crazy story. In verse 19, look what Joseph does. He says, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example was minded to put her away secretly. Because you've got to realize, even though, like Richard said, this, it would still be a scandal today in a church, Back then, it was a stoning. To find out that someone has been, been knocked up before marriage is a stoning. Adult, I mean, it's serious stuff. He didn't want her to die, so he's being real calm and collected about this. But you've got to realize, just like we do in our lives, you, you start realizing, man, I'm, I'm, I'm part of this plan. And, and he started realizing, but I, 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 don't, I, I don't think Joseph was really going to go through with this. I think he was just being nice and didn't want her to get stoned. Until he got visited from the angel. Until, and I believe God had to send an angel for those two things. Amen. There had to be some divine intervention. Amen. Faith goes a long ways. But to believe that, that's some crazy stuff, right? So it says, David, uh, sorry, but while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take to you, marry your wife. And this is important. You can underline this in your Bible. This is part of the message. For what is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. 
What is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. That's very, very important. Because in, in case you don't know, and I, I don't, I'm not trying to be elementary on some of this stuff, but sometimes we don't think about it. Sometimes we listen to a message and we hear, I'm coming home for Christmas, and we miss the 120 feet flying. The key to this is understanding that our salvation today, Christmas salvation, when we say Merry Christmas, we can say Merry Christmas because Jesus was not born of a man. Jesus was not born of a sinful bloodline. Jesus was born of the Holy Spirit, conceived by the Holy Spirit, and so when that baby Jesus was placed into Mary's stomach, it was not placed there by a sinful lineage. It was placed in a womb that was perfect and holy because God is holy. And like I've said before, and I'll throw it in there again, it's the greatest story ever told. If it was not true, and I know it is, and I believe it is, it's still the greatest story ever told. And no one's ever been able to make, it up, make up a better one. Have you thought about that? If you really look at a lot of these other religions and a lot of what other people believe, if you just be biased about it and just sit back and go, let me think about this. Let me, let me check this out. None of them add up to the amazing story that God told in the, in the Bible. Amen? So he says, that which is conceived is of, of her in her is of the Holy Spirit. Let's read on to finish. And she will bring forth a son. You shall call his name Jesus. How many love that name? For he will save his people from their sins. And all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. And this is Isaiah 7, 14. If you want to write that in your notes. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. I don't think our minds can wrap around it, guys, that God is here with us right now. We, we get busy, we're here, we're, we get a certain sense of re- religiousness to us, and we know that, that, that we're physically here, but we forget God is here right now. He's in this place right now. He's in this place in His presence, and He's also in, his, in this place in our hearts. How many know that that's a sobering reminder of how we should walk, how we should talk, how we should live, how we should treat one another, how we should do things, because God is with us all the time. Amen? And Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded, took him to be his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son and called his name Jesus. One of my favorite, as I'm closing, Christmas stories is about an old shoe cobbler who dreamed one Christmas. That's a shoemaker, in case you didn't know, because honestly, I didn't know until about six months ago what a cobbler was. I liked peach. I honestly did not know. I know now. Shoe cobbler. Who dreamed one Christmas Eve that Jesus would come to visit him the next day. The dream was so real that he was convinced it would come true. Everybody have, anybody ever have a dream like that? Jesus is going to visit me tomorrow. So the next morning he got up and he went out and he decorated his little cobbler shop and got it all ready for Jesus to come and visit him. He was so sure that Jesus was going to come that he just sat down and waited for him. Hours passed and he didn't come. But an old man came in. He came inside for a moment to get warm out of the winter cold. 
As the cobbler talked with him, he noticed the holes in the old man's shoes. So he reached up on the shelf and got him a new pair of shoes. He made sure they fit. He, 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 he got his socks dry, and he sent this man on his way. Still, he waited. Jesus did not come. Then later on, a few hours later, an old woman came into the store who hadn't had a decent meal in two days. You could tell she was hungry. They sat and visited for a while, and, and he prepared some food for her to eat, and he gave her a nourishing meal, and he sent her on her way. Then he sat down again, and he's looking at his watch, and he's getting frustrated. He says, Where, when is Jesus going to come? And he just, then he heard a little boy crying out in front of his shop. He went out and talked with the little boy and discovered that the little boy had been separated from his parents and did not know how to get home. He took his coat, put it on him, and led the boy to where he lived and led him home. When he came back to his little shop, it was almost dark. The day was gone. The streets were emptied of people. And in a moment of despair, he looks up to God and says, Jesus, you said you were going to visit me today. Where are you? And in a moment of silence, he heard a voice saying, Oh, shoe cobbler, lift up your heart. I kept my word. Three times I knocked at your friendly door. Three times my shadow fell across your floor. I was the man with the bruised feet. I was the woman you gave to eat. I was the boy on the homeless street. We never know when God is among us. Amen? That, 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 that is a sobering thought. Because we all, all, all get so busy. And we all have so much agenda, and it's not on purpose. It doesn't make us bad people. We're just so busy. We're just doing so much that we can forget sometimes that right before us, you know, the Bible even says that sometimes we entertain angels, and we don't know when they are or who they are, and, and I think about that. We need to think about that a lot and thank God. Is, is this person I'm talking to an angel? Is this person I'm talking to you dressed in another way? How, how, how would we treat these people? You know, we have people that come in. We've had recently, we have people that come in that act different ways. We still love them. We're going to tell them what the Bible says, and we're going to treat them with love, but we never know who we're entertaining as long as we treat them with respect and dignity, as long as they treat the church with respect and dignity. Amen? But we never know. You never know that person that's asking for money. You just never know when you're being visited by Jesus because he wants to see. The Bible even says, if you've given me to drink, if you've given me to eat, if you've given to the least of these, you've given unto me. And so we need to think today that God is in the redemption business. I'll close with one more story. How many like stories? There was a great Baptist pastor in Boston, Massachusetts. And one day he met a young boy in front of his sanctuary carrying a rusty cage with several birds flying around nervously inside. The pastor said, son, where did you get those birds? The boy replied, I trapped them out in the field. He said, what are you going to do with them? When I get home, I'm going to just play with them a little while, and then I guess I'll just feed them to an old cat we have at home. So the pastor said, may I buy those birds from you? And he says, I'll give you $5 for the cage and the birds. He says, mister, you don't want these birds. They're just old, wild birds. They can't even sing. They can't even sing. Birds are supposed to sing. He says, these birds can't even sing. He says, I'll give you $5 for the cage and the birds. He says, it's a deal. Kid's like, you're making a bad bargain. This is good for me. Cool. The exchange was made, and the boy went away whistling, happy with his $5. Gordon, the pastor, walked around to the back of the church property, opened the door of the small coop, 
and let the struggling creatures soar into the sky. The next Sunday, he brought the empty cage into the pulpit and used it as an illustrated sermon and talked about Christ coming to seek and save that which is lost, paying for them with his own precious blood, as we saw in Ephesians 1.7. He says, that boy told me that those birds could not sing. He said, but when I released them into the air, I could hear them singing, we're redeemed, we're redeemed, we're redeemed. That's our story this morning, guys. That's our story in the gospel. Is it doesn't matter if we can sing good or not. doesn't matter what our talents and our abilities are. We are lost without Jesus. But because Jesus came into that manger, because he was born of a virgin, because he lived a perfect life, and because he died on that cross and rose from the dead, this morning, this Christmas week, we can have joy of the Lord and sing glory to the highest, amen, because we have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Musicians, you can come this morning. This is the Christmas story because it's the song we sing in every carol, redeemed. If you think about the underlining meaning of every song we sing, it's that we've been redeemed. If we don't have redemption, we don't have anything. Stay over here. You guys are easily distracted. Amen, Richard? <laughs> Stay over here. You've seen Dwayne before. You've seen my beautiful daughters before. You're handsome. Right? Everything we do, coming to church, singing songs, preaching, event, everything we do is about redemption. And if it's not, we're doing nothing. If you don't believe you're redeemed this morning, what are you doing? If I don't believe I'm redeemed this morning, I'm doing nothing. I might as well do, say happy holidays or whatever, or winter's here, because I don't have Christmas if I don't have redemption. The story of the birth, virgin birth is that perfect blood came shed out of that body when he became 33 years old and was crucified. Sinless blood redeemed me. It's the, it's the meaning behind every gift under the tree, redeemed. It's the word the shepherds heard, redeemed. It's the assurance Mary received, redeemed. It's the star the wise men followed, redeemed. You and I have been trapped by sin because of the devil, and today it is redemption. Amen. That is the Christmas story. Amen? Bow your heads if you would, please. Close your eyes. Father, we thank you this morning that we are those birds we have been redeemed. We have been forgiven. Lord, I'm not able to even express or explain in words what you have done for us. But Lord, I thank you from the bottom of my heart that you left your glory, that you left the streets of gold, that you left perfection, you left, you left clean, crystal waters and beauty to come down and be born in the dirtiest place you could be born in. And every step along the way and every pur pur purpose that was done was done for me. God, thank you. Lord, from my heart of hearts today, thank you. You know, there's nothing worse as you're listening this morning to this prayer. There's nothing worse than giving a gift and not having somebody say thank you. I don't know about you. I like to give. 
but it just kills the gift when there's no thank you. Don't be the gift killer this morning and not say thank you. Be thankful. Be thankful. Whether you get or give gifts this week does not matter. Whether the food tastes good or doesn't does not matter. Even who you're with or with is not are not with does not matter. What matters is that you are thankful for what Jesus already did. You can have Christmas in a jail cell. You can have Christmas on the street. You can have Christmas sick. You can have Christmas however it happens because you are happy and you can sing joy to the world because he has stepped out of glory. He has stepped out of his majesty. He has stepped out of heaven and became sin for you and me. It's the greatest gift ever given. Redemption. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus, from my heart of hearts.